Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Congratulate me, Gene, huh? After taking a look at that, you are a bona fide sicko, Jake Roberts. Hitting a woman? How could you? A woman? No man wants a woman that's going to lay down and grovel and beg for somebody's life. If it's a woman that I want, I want her to stand up. Stand up and be that. Be what I want. As far as slapping her, yeah, I slapped her, but I'll slap myself. I'll slap you, Gene Okerlund. But I'll tell you something, Randy Savage. DDT and you was fine. That really felt good. But the best feeling I've ever had in my life is when I grabbed a hold of your woman's hair, man, and jerked her up off of her knees. Huh? That was good. And then when I put my hand across her face, my man, it felt so good I should have to pay for that. Yeah, I would pay to do that. So the next time you think about crossing this snake's path and a snake chooses his own path where nobody else wants to go, you think about it again. But if you do decide to, please do me one little favor. I'm begging you. Please bring her back. Let me touch her again. Oh, get out of here, please, Robert. I can cultivate her into something that even I could oh, want. please. Huh? I could do that. Trust me. Trust me. Please. <laughs> I refuse to... Gorilla Monsoon, let's get back. Get out of here. On, get the hell out of here. I don't want to talk... It's not Tuesday. I'm not in Texas. But we're here on Scott and Paul's Island podcast on a Thursday. In Scotland. At the time of recording. We don't know when you're hearing this. But no. we're here to talk about this Tuesday in Texas. Following on from our last wrestling review, mm-hmm. Survivor Series 91, I can start out right away by saying that this Tuesday in Texas, although it was blatantly prostituted during <laughs> Survivor Series <laughs> That's 91, one way of describing it. it was, to be quite honest, a far superior pay-per-view to its advert. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Yeah, last time we looked at the basically extended advert for this Tuesday in Texas that happened to have some wrestling on it. Yeah, and not all that good. No, wrestling. no, no, no. But with the WWE title match blatantly put in the middle of the show just so they could do something later on which would tease the fact that there was going to be a rematch on this Tuesday in Texas. Yes, yes. But I, if you don't know already, I am Scott. That is Paul. He is Scott. I am Paul. <laughs> I wasn't doing it, but, but I was just making the introduction, but all right. I know. I this know. is part two of a series that we that Paul has titled. He came up with that. I should give him the credit for that. Uh, titles, Politics and Pish. Titles, Politics and Pish. Part two. two. <laughs> part two. Uh, this Tuesday night is a show that has had very few... Well, in depth bits of cover. I've seen the odd bit here and there online. Yeah, yeah. Seen people, I think like wrestling bios. Uh, Bruce Pritchard has done an episode on his podcast. People like that. This OSW. But other than those I, ones, no, no, not really a topic that a lot of people tend to come back to. I've often forgotten yeah. pay per view. I think this, including the time I watched it for this review, this was my second time fully seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I often like. I think mm-hmm. the second time I was thinking of it. I confused it with the. Uh, oh God, what was that one with the title match between the Warrior and Macho Man when the Warrior was wearing a weird singlet? In SummerSlam '92. That's the one. Yeah, I often confused it with that at times. Uh-huh. You know, because some of the matches on it on SummerSlam '92 yeah. and with Tuesday in Texas are all, in my opinion, similar quality. 
Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, we, we talked about SummerSlam 82 in a previous episode. Go check that out in our back dog after you've listened to this, of course. But this was a show that I'd watched reviews of, or listened to reviews of, but never actually seen myself. I've had a few of those on uh, a stray of our From the Vault series. And this is one of them, so it's the first time I've sat down in full and watched this show. Yeah. So I was interested to see how I would really enjoy the show compared to SummerSlam 91, which I did not enjoy. And you might be able to tell by the sound of our voices and as we go along with this, we have been drinking a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. We're in the middle of uh, some stuff that we're recording podcasts. We may have explained it in a previous podcast. So we, were, we were supposed to be doing an intervention but for Scott, but I made a mistake and bought booze. I'm not the one that needs an intervention. <laughs> Fuck you. I will just also let our listeners know that I am only ju- only jesting with you, Scott. I see. I don't need intervention. We both bought cans of Stromo. Get you bought the regular ones. I bought the one pint ones. So well, that, does, see, that does intervention, say some, Scott. Does some sort of issue. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, I think we, we alcohol is required for some aspects we're going to talk about. Especially, some, especially Hogan, some aspects. And especially Hogan's behaviour, because yeah. he's the politics and the pish, particularly, of the of the title yeah, of this alcohol series. alcohol is required for Hogan. Yes, to sit through his pish. And also to celebrate that Jake the Snake, Randy Matchman, Savage match. Because <laughs> that was just joysome for me. <laughs> because, sure. let's be honest, if we're talking, you know, the so-called first lady of WWF... Uh-huh. She sucks, man. I know. She su- and that that squealing last time and that bloody thing. And you know what I'll say on the end of that match? Jake didn't need no snake, man. He didn't need no snake. But you know, while I may be slightly inebriated, I've got my notes as usual, so I will try to be professional here. Go on, then. And I will fail. This Tuesday in Texas took place on December 3rd, 1991, six days after the Survivor Series. Yes. And Bruce Pritchard's whole thing about when he was asked, what is it, what was the name and everything, well, it was to create a sense of urgency in that, which you're watching Survivor, it's like, it's going down this Tuesday, not next Tuesday, not a couple of Tuesdays now, this Tuesday, go buy it now, this Tuesday, it's happening in Texas. This Tuesday, we'll ask you for more money. Basically, yeah, because, you know, I, I don't know, because I think, you know, events are... Advertise more in the the market that you're going to be holding the show out before you advertise on TV because you also you want to get people in the building. Yeah. So I'm wondering how this is advertised to the people who were in San Antonio, Texas at the well, time. Well, you, you got to remember, you're thinking 1991, mm-hmm. hella different from now. You know what I mean? Where advertising is like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like uh, it also depends. They can alter the advertising they do depending on what market they're doing it. Because we, I do the show on Rogan Payne's Real Grip to SmackDown where we watch the American versions of the broadcast of the shows, right? Yeah. So when we do the UK pay-per-views, there's like one or two lines on comedy mentioning that there's a UK pay-per-view come out, whereas if you're watching the UK version, they're usually giving it sort of usually a tape delay. They'd also, they'd probably all add in, oh, come see this UK pay live on Skybox office, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. But imagine they'd probably be advertising, okay, oh, WF is coming to your, to San Antonio on this date, but I wonder if they'd even mention to them that as a pay-per-view that they were planning on doing, because I don't know, how far advanced they thought this out. But. See, I'm I'm thinking, like, I don't know exactly what it would have been at this particular point, but sort of, like, into a new gen. Yeah, we're still and, technically going there. The stereo trail is starting to go in, because that, that doctor has been 
was kind of like brought to court in the summer and he started he started naming people and well, remember, Hogan's already done his Arsenio Hall interview and everything. Remember at this point, two of the people that are still on this pay-per-view are two of the people that get issue with it, the Warlord and the Bulldog. The Bulldog you mean, know. Uh, Bulldog sticks around for a bit. Warlord actually gone after the Rumble. Not long after the Rumble, yeah. Warlord is gone. Well, he was quite a... Quite yeah. a size. Yeah, he's yeah. a big fellow. Yeah. Like, imagine if Austin, instead of doing the beer bash at the end of every match, he took, he just injected himself with a bunch of steroids. That's what you get with the Warlord. He's got the bald head and the goatee. I, I liked the Warlord for what it was, you know. Like, imagine if Austin is regular Shredder, Warlord is super Shredder. Yeah. That's what I, that's yeah. the best comparison. I just noticed during his match, when he was taking a breath, <laughs> the muscles on his back moved. <laughs> when he was taking, he was like, you talk a super shredder, he was yeah. like <sighs> <laughs> But imagine I imagine maybe they were they were trying to promote their tactic also not only to get people to buy the thing if they want to see the rematch or the Randy Savage match, but you I think the idea of like if you're watching you bought Stars Season eighty one and you happen to live in Texas, the idea of this show is happening near you, oh go buy your tickets if they're still available. Yeah, yeah. So you know it's all promotional tactics by the WWF at well, this say, into a new gen, into the there, kind of we used to do things like during a during a raw, whatever they would advertise on show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They would do what they do now: put the banner up, bowl screen, yeah. like this is going to be happening. Yeah, like in like you say in Texas or in yeah. somewhere. It would be in the Fremont Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, the hometown of Shawn Michaels, of course. Is that arena still? That arena is still around. Yeah, we we got eight thousand people in a venue that can hold relatively around eleven and a half thousand people. Reasonable capacity for the show. Not really anything special done with the uh, the set. I mean, you got the red, white, and blue ropes, but like the background and the entrance is just a curtain with a big WF logo. So, not much really to differentiate this from your standard, you know, TV taping. Really, in the, well, yeah, the but you, you got to think of the pay per views and TV tapings of that time. Think of the Rumble, for example. Uh-huh. You know, it's just a curtain with a WWF logo. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, that, that's the way it was, you know what I mean? We didn't put a lot of oomph into the set design, you know. Uh, I, I understand. The, the, I think the, the wrestlers and characters at the time were colourful enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, like, also, they wouldn't always do Sunday as you traditionally do nowadays with a pay-per-view. I mean, even nowadays they're starting to move back to Saturday pay-per-views, which, if you're a UK fan, is a great thing because yeah. it's a day off. Next to you, or if you're knackered, you know, it's an extra lion before you're going back to work on yeah. Monday. Or, yeah. back to, or, or back to school on the on the Monday if you're a child. But anyway. Back to your couch if you're me. <laughs> but uh, they were looking for a secondary day to previews, and part of the reason behind this, we're experimenting with previews outside the traditional Big Four. Yeah. I think it's the first non Big Four previews since really the Wrestling Classic back in. 85 yeah because yeah. even the first Wrestlemania wasn't a f- official pay-per-view the first actual pay-per-view would be the, the Wrestling Classic and then they'd mm-hmm. do Radio 2 and then they introduced Survivor Series SummerSlam Rumble like, and even the first Rumble was also a TV special but yeah. again at, by this point the f- big four pay-per-views I might add one by the now cancer free mm-hmm. Jim Duggan yeah. Jim Duggan it's nice to have a positive update because we weren't really sure the last time so you know, good for you yeah good for Duggan because like I say I've, I've met the man he's a really he's a really nice dude to meet you know mm-hmm. and I feel bad for a thing he said to me at the time <laughs> you know I asked him I asked him about Bray Wyatt and he said yeah he's going to go places I mean he's making a horror movie now is Bray Wyatt yeah he's involved in a horror movie I want to see that so bad <laughs> you know he like in the modern day, 
My boy, man. <laughs> I'm an Eric Young. <laughs> uh, I'd be looking for a secondary to be when they thought Chuchu would be up. I think overall, after this, they, they actually saw this two days as a bit of a failure in house in the company. Really? It really seems a, a failure. But. And so, in the snowball, they would not try a Tuesday preview again until 2004 and they did Taboo Tuesday. Oh, good I remember, God. I was, a bit, I was very much in my fandom at Taboo Tuesday. I remember Taboo Tuesday. I remember watching Snitsky bat Arcade and put the chair around his neck. Bastard. Did that, did that make you... It made me very sad. Very sad. It made me very sad. I almost forgot it was around a dead baby. The future around a dead baby. Wasn't Taboo Tuesday shit, Laura? Am I thinking of Cyber Sunday? I think they were both interchangeable, just a different day. Ah, but we both shit. Yeah, I remember, I really, I have more memories of the time choose the first one because I taped it off Sky Sports. Didn't, Sweet. Didn't really, uh, don't have many memories of the other ones because, uh, taped it on a tape. Because, uh, cause I, I, feel, I said I can remember a time where I had to tape pay-per-views for a while. And then up until you should you should be looking back at that with joyous nostalgia. By the time I, I had my wee break from it and came back in the, in like two thousand nine, you could just like like use whatever service you had for Virgin or Sky, and you could just record it. But the tape, man. I know that I know the tape, the tape, and everything. <laughs> anyway, but I don't I don't remember I don't think I taped Survivor Times Two Thousand Five. I can't remember any particular reason. Then by the time this switched probably it's our Sunday, I was kind of fading out. And oh, then by the time. Well, fading out of wrestling for oh. a while, and then came back, and Cyber Sunday had all but just just gone by that point. Yeah. So yeah, they would. So they seen this as a bit of a failure. So they wouldn't try it outside Big Four period until uh, kind of the round ninety three, which what? would then become it then became the Big Five for a while. Yeah, I still don't get that though because I mean, looking at looking at last Tuesday in Texas, just for what it was. Mm-hmm. And the quality of matches on it, I thought it was a. I mean, it wasn't a great fucking pay per view, but it was. It was good. Yeah, you know? I mean, I didn't have high expectations, so I think that helped my enjoyment of it. But I think it's not just about the match quality and the crew response. You know, what it's really about for the WF the money. It's all yeah. about the money. All about the Benjamins. So as I told you, there were three hundred thousand people who parted with their hard-earned money to get an advert for this Tuesday in Texas at Survivor Series. Yeah, huh? And so obviously they're thinking they want big business to get back on it, no return on your investment and all that. So, I want you guess, what do you think the buy rate was like for this Tuesday night? I think this will give us an indication as to why it's seen as a failure. What do you think the buy rate was like? So I don't feel like a complete moron here. Could you give me one of those, like, an A, B or C? You know, like, give me the like, actual one and then give me a false one. And I'll, I'll right. try and figure it. I was not prepared for this. Okay. Did they get A? Hundred thousand, B hundred and forty thousand, or C just around two hundred thousand. I'm going to say just around two hundred. You are, sir, are wrong. Oh fuck! Three hundred thousand people also bought the Survivor Series, and the buy rate from all from the most value, reliable sources that I have found, buy rate for this season in Texas one hundred and forty thousand. Wow! Which is just on which is ten thousand. Ten thousand away from just being half of what Survivor Series, so less than half of Survivor Series. So all that promotion during Survivor Series cost more than what they made from the thing. Clearly, they didn't they got them more buys than than this because like the Royal Rumble falls out, and I'm pretty sure they're in the two hundred thousand odd between two hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand odd in terms of buy rate for the Rumble. So the Rumble's way up from this, but then again, the Rumble is the Rumble. 
and a big stipulation is added to the Rumble for this particular edition, but mm. I'll get to that when we get to the Rumble. Uh, so yeah, it was seen as a kind of a, given there's a big drop between strategy and this Tuesday in Texas, I think it can't be helped the fact you did it six days later during the holidays, right about just between Thanksgiving and Christmas time, where people are probably conscious of how much money they're spending because you got gifts to buy, family to think about. That's, you know, I plan on going a little bit more in depth on it uh-huh. as we go through. But I think there's major serious factors to cover, which is probably why they lost money. <laughs> Glaring fucking reasons, in fact, you know. Well, another interesting thing we should talk about is we saw five matches on the main, on the pay-per-view itself. Well, we right? did. But honestly, so that's what you got for you 140,000 people who paid your money to get this paper. You got five matches, right? Five matches, and you did also get some reasonably interesting backstage shit. And apparently they were happy half the price of a usual pay-per-view, probably because they knew it was so close, but even then I didn't rent on the buyer they probably wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe if they did crack the 200,000... It may have been seen as successful. Maybe been seen as slightly more successful. You know, I think they wanted it somewhat at least close enough to what they got for Survivor Series. Even Survivor Seas was down from the SummerSlam before it, as I so, mentioned last time. So if, if we'd at least broke even. Yeah, so I think it's a breaking even kind of thing. Like I said, it's all about the money. Yeah, always all about the monies. But also, we saw five matches. By the time the opening match started uh, on the pay-per-view for the IC title, for the live crowd, who I don't know how yeah. much they may have paid for their ticket, yeah. the live crowd, when they saw Bret Hart making his way out for his match, that would be the... Well, that would be the... 10th match that they've seen. We had nine dark matches on this show. Really? Do t- do tell me and, and inform me. We had a bunch of jobber matches to start us off with before we get into match names. We had the Harris Brothers defeat. The Harris Brothers? The Harris Brothers. Harris, who, are they anyone of note? The Harris Brothers, made, uh, Skull and Eight Ball, you know, the DOA game. The Harris Brothers, they would be they would be like creative control in WWE. Unless Tuesday in Texas, we got the DOA. Yeah, we got Harris Brothers. They were later going to be DOA along with Brian Lee. And actually, we got three out of the four Where, members. Um, they have different political views, apparently, don't they? Yes, the Harris Brothers. They were going to be the Blue Brothers, of course, and then DOA. They were the Blue Brothers. Yes, they had hair for a Holy while. Holy crap! They were the Blue. They sucked, man. <laughs> they so did. Bad. And then it became Skull and Eight Ball. But then we actually had four. Uh, we had three out of the four members of uh, DOE were on the start matches. I'll get to the third one in a minute. But then we had Sir Charles defeating Dale Wolf. Do you know who Sir Charles would go on to be? Papa Shango, right? Papa Shango, Kama, Kama Mustafa, the Godfather, the Goodfather. Cam- Kama, was, well, it was Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine. Yeah, but Sir Charles, obviously, playing on the fact he was really as Charles yeah. White, right? But then we had Chris Walker. I have no idea who he is. He's similar to German... German Journeyman wrestler right. defeated Brian Lee, another Rush. member of DOA. No, that would that would be Chains of oh, that Fake was, Undertaker. That was fake Undertaker, yeah. Crush is the final member. So the, out of three out of the four members, it's not even the most notable, which is Crush. Crush was not on the show anywhere. What's Crush's real name? Uh, Brian. Brian Adams. Adams. That's because uh, Wrath was Brian Clark, who would be a tag partner in WCW. Yeah, but I always get confused because they're two both called Brian. Didn't he go nuts? No idea. Something. Anyway, then yeah, also Chris Warren Burnley. Greg Valentine defeated the Brooklyn Brawlers where you actually get match stains in two minutes and six seconds. Wow. Now, there's some weird thing between when on like, online sources where they say that you have they, they all claim these first four matches, right? 
Yeah. And then they start to alter what some of the other matches are, because some people agree that the final match that I'm going to get to later on happened, which has, has some names on it. But then the matches between that and these other dark, these other jobber matches are very... Some people say that there was no other matches just down to that final match and there was only five. Then some people say, oh no, these are actually other matches. There Some people some people say that Sergeant Slaughter or the fact that the new foundation... Yeah. But from the source that I found, this is, these are the matches I've been. So take these with a pinch of salt, but according to where I found them, they happened, right? The Nasty Boys defeating the Bushwhacker, which fallen off the rest, in 9 minutes 43. Yeah. And then this is where I started to question where I got home because it lost two LOD title defences for the tag team titles. Two? Yes. They would defeat the Rockers in 12 minutes 58. I felt like that had been a great match to see. And then the Natural Disasters immediately afterwards in 10 26. Was that the Natural Disasters? Earthquake and Typhoon. Oh, wait, I'd continue on with the feud from. Yeah, I got myself ball. mixed up where I was thinking, uh, uh, fucking demolition. <laughs> No, they're all gone by this point. Yeah. What uh, was the deal? Bill Eady was unfit in his last couple of months or years. Yeah, he had a heart condition. Was that what it was? Yeah, I thought it was he played his back. And then uh, also Repo Man, who's formerly smashed, is on this show. Chris, yeah, he's, he's, Chris will come back sometime next year. Repackage this well, Crush, but it's a different version of Crush. Kona Crush. Kona Crush. Hawaii Crush. He sucked. <laughs> and then the final match. Now, this is the match... Bear in mind, when we get to the pay-per-view now, they're okay some of these matches, but think about some yeah. matches we have on the show. And this match I'm about to read to you now is a dark match. Okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Ric Flair defeating Roddy Piper as a dark match. Could you, you don't think you could shift a few pay-per-view buys by Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair after what happened at Survivor Series? In 14 minutes this match lasted. Jesus. Ric what do you think about that? Rick Flair, we, they did the whole opening team match at Spurs United 1 where Piper and Pit Flair went off to say they, they said that they'd been having issues so they had kind of this mini feud between Flair and Piper get tied over before they eventually build up to what they were wanting to do yeah. with Flair and Hogan. But like that's somehow not good enough to put on pay-per-view. I, I don't get that because as, as I was thinking there, right? That match alone uh-huh. would have made them the money back because at the time Flair was just fresh in the company, Piper was still going strong. I mean, Piper was wasn't far away from being IC champion. And Piper is still very popular in the babyface side of the roster, and Flair also right now has some heat no, from g- costing Hogan the title. So if he announced, oh by the way, you're also going to get to see Roddy Piper v Ric Flair, I'm going to say I want to see Piper kick his ass. On and the show. still, like Flair wins it, you'll get the. Like, you know, the fan favourite Piper doing his usual Piper shit to win the match, but still the heel comes out on top, so you've got the drama, you've got the heat, Maybe. it builds flare up. I think they did want Piper, want, they had a plan for Piper when they still hit into Mania for that match with Brett, right? Mm. Maybe they thought if he's going to lose, because Piper very, very rarely ever lost. Like I don't think in his whole feud with Hogan back in the 80s, he had ever had a clean loss. Yeah. So maybe, like, why well, the match with Brett, spoilers, is one of his one of his only well, clean on. losses. How could you ever have a clean loss with Hogan? Yeah, like <laughs> one of his ever one of Piper, one of his only clean losses is to Brett at Main A. I don't know how many others there were, but like, so maybe they were like in. Uh, we don't want him losing off here right before we put the ICBL on for this. Like, because that's the second yeah. most important title in the company. And, like, we need Piper as strong as possible to help make Brett look even better by beating him. So, maybe it's the whole thing, you know, people looking weak or whatever. But, like, it's Ric Flair and Roddy. Piper, for God's sake. Like, if, even if even if Flair cheats, which he would be known to, have 
perfect get involved. I don't care about that. Or even if it's called a no contest. Yeah, no, have a similar or a DQ effect. I don't know because from what I can see, like Flair won, maybe not cleanly, but he did win. I think via pinfall. So and the only reason Piper didn't beat Hart at WrestleMania because he didn't use like goddamn ring bell. Yeah. He could have just battered his stupid head and got the DQ, kept the title, all good. I think you could have done some good business with... I don't know if I would have greatly made the whole thing a test, but you didn't... You ducked the boundaries a little bit, maybe, with having Piper and Flair on the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. You saying we shouldn't have had Greg Valentine on the show? Yes. <laughs> I think he's gone shortly after the Rumble as well. With it, with his hammerlock? Flair, he would go after the 92 Rumble and come back in 93 as uh, the Blue Knight in the, the Hearts v. Sean and the Knights match. Was he? He was a Blue Knight. The Red Knight was Barry Horowitz. And the Silver Knight was a nobody on the end. He's called uh, Jeff Gaylord. Jeff <laughs> Gaylord. <laughs> Apparently, Terry Funk was supposed to be the Red Knight. He didn't like the idea of being on that, so he basically no-showed the show and said, oh, my horse is sick and he fucked off. Yeah. By the way, when he came back years later to actually be changed out Charlie Vince, one of the first things he said to him was, Who's your horse? <laughs> Apparently, one of the night, I think maybe the silver one. Got to look after my horse, just bring in that Gaylord. The silver <laughs> the silver night was meant to be Glenn Jacobs at one point, but, but when it got down to just being the only one of note who had said a name was Greg Valentine under the mask, I thought, Let's not do the unmasking thing. Yeah. So. Shall we get to into the actual show itself now that we've we done should, the backstory and the, the battle on the um, about the dark match? The dark match thing that was very interesting to me. Yeah, I didn't I did not I, I've never heard of a show that had so many dark matches. Yeah, this was very much the definition of a B pay-per-view, the very first edition of a real B pay-per-view really at this point. <laughs> and to them it was them as a failure. Is it really a fa- failure? Let's get into it. We we talked about the money, so let's talk about the actual action. Yeah. And so how do they open it? By doing a replay of the very same interview that closed Survivor Series yeah. with uh, as Eugene Gene and what he describes as the catacombs of the arena, uh, interviewing the Undertaker who does the whole close the coffin, the burial of Hulk Hogan and everything. And uh, when we open, we see a wide shot of the crowd, and we have Monston, Heenan, Welcome with the commentary on commentary, and they run down the card. At one point, Monston pulls the mic away from Heenan before he's finished, so he can. So the next thing, and you can tell Keenan's annoyed about it. Yeah. <laughs> so they run down uh, the card, and then we have the opening match with Britt, the Hitman Hart, defending the Intercontinental Championship. He gets yes. a good response. Uh, a woman, very high streaks when she gives, when he gives I the know, mercy. I know, I've seen. She's done, she done an Elizabeth. <laughs> He's defending the title against... It's the Alligator Sk- Man. Against Skinner, who I gave credit to in the last episode. You know, he has... History as a wrestler, he worked on the on the, uh, the territories as part of a tag team with Stan Lane. What's the guy? The guy's name? Steve Kern. Steve Kern. He said right. he's a journeyman. You know, he would go on to be a trader on FCW. Would be, you know, he does his stuff and everything. He'd go up against the technician and Brett. So I'm not arguing that they couldn't have a good match together. I'm just thinking, is he still on the go now? Is it in any way in wrestling? I think he still works in a kind of a training house. I don't know if he works with WWE or if he's got his own thing, but I think he still trains people today. That's cool. That's cool. But I'm just thinking. When we last saw them, Brett was in the midst of a feud with the Mountie, which will carry on to that live event before the Rumble, which is the whole title change shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll talk a bit more in the next episode. But, and then Skinner was on one half of a team that got clean sweet by Hacksaw, Slaughter, Matador, and Tornado. Mm. So, uh, why is Jack Tunney giving 
Skinner and I see title shot. Why not? He's uh, the alligator man. I really think you could have done a lot here in terms of progressing whatever story you're telling with the IC title if you had the Mountie, instead of on a live event when no one saw it, win it here, cheat, and then do some nefarious things on a live event between now and the Rumble. And then to retain you, it. And then you set up the uh, the match between him and Piper because he's accomplished as a tag team wrestler in the new genre, but you yeah. know, I would have given the Mountie, given Jacques Rougeau his, his due as a singles champion. Oh, yeah, for, definitely. Like, let him hold that IC belt for a little longer. Like, how long did he hold it? Two days. Two days. It was two days before the Rumble they had that live where Brett had a fever, so which was the key thing for him. Even losing. The Undertaker held his first belt longer. Than Jack Rougeau, yes. That's pathetic, man. I know. But then again, we'd have, then, but then we'd have a weird trivia question if he did win it here, where like, Jack Rougeau, true or false, has held a belt longer than The Undertaker. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been cool. But yeah, so Skinner is now... I'm not saying that Skinner isn't... Oh, I technically am saying he's unworthy in the kayfabe sense, not in the reality. Not in saying, the, in not the kayfabe sense of like character build and story build, I, I, I wholly agree with you. you know? Wholly yeah. agree. But then again, I'm not saying Steve Kern isn't worthy, I'm just saying it feels weird given that they said the Mountie and Brett were on opposite ends of a match at Survivor Series and they said that they had issues, so it would have made so like sense to say, follow on here. Have the Mountie, as you say, won it at last Tuesday in Texas, mm-hmm. retain it with his chicanery. Because, like, you know, say Brett had that fever trying to win it back, mm-hmm. and the Mountie wins it, so he'd hold it right through until uh, the Rumble. The Rumble. Because, yeah. like, let's say all f- four out of the five matches on the show on the main show end with a booby face winning. So, I don't think it would have been bad to, like, in case you're going to close with Hogan, who's at this point still a baby face, in hindsight, not. But, like, Hogan is a, the big all American baby face. He's going to win at the end. He's all American. So, 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 why not start? With a heel win. This is not the first heel I'm going to advocate winning because if you're going to end with a babyface win, it doesn't matter how many heels you let win on the undercard. As yeah. long as you let the crowd go home happy, that's the main thing. And well, one thing the WWE never did, and still, to, in my opinion, never properly does, is appreciate that some of the fans really like the heels. Mm-hmm. I know. You know? I know. So, we have Brett opening the show. Skinner's already in the ring, which automatically spells, you're not winning this match. Yeah, you, no- you didn't even get an entrance. By the way, he's not the first person who will be already in the ring, by the way, on this show. Oh, I know. Which, which I hate that. I hate that on a pay-per-view. Do mm. it on TV, on your Superstar TV, yeah, your let, jobber if matches. If you're on a pay-per-view, let the fucker have an entrance. I know. I hate I hate the whole already in the ring on a pay-per-view. But we get into the match, right? Yeah. And Brett is doing his usual... Oh, technician Technician thing. thing, like getting down, blah, blah, blah. And then we get part of the way through the match and Skinner gets the upper hand. Yeah. I should mention, like, later on, the reason that Skinner gets down is he throws Brett's shoulder first into the, the, yeah. the, the ring post. Which... Do you know what? It seems to be in the sense of Brett taking, <laughs> taking offence. Yeah. That tends to be like, you know, like, um, you know, like, like think of Cena, right? Yeah. Or Hogan, and yeah. their five or three moves of doom. Yes. In that era, it was almost like Bret Hart had like two or three moves of peril. <laughs> you know, like moves that would have happened to him. Yeah, the other one would be that, that stern and first into the turnbuckle, which he does take in this match, which he always did very well. Oh, he did. I, like, there was a few times you seen him take that, you went, ah, man. Yeah, but like, he does, he sends him in the... A few times you see him take that shoulder to the buckles, the shoulder to the post thing. Yeah. It's really quite. I'm I'm trying to do my, I'm doing my best to give Steve Kerr his uh, and Skinner his his due 
Monsoon is not doing that himself because... No, he's been... Monsoon, I think Monsoon at the time... Well, Monsoon did have a tendency to be too much of a dickhead to the heels. Yeah. Uh, but, but, like, it's more glaring than Bobby Heen's blatant favouring of the heels and hate of the babyface, particularly Hogan, but... Like, when, when Skinner throws Brett into the post and then works over the shoulder a bit more, which yeah. he should be doing, yeah. he later then goes on to leg and Monsoon gives out to him by, like, why are you switching up your offence? Go... If you've, if you've got he's got an your body part like do more damage to it if you want to win the IC title yeah but he doesn't make the same arguments to Brett because Brett starts off the match plus being the tennis and he gets his opponent down on the map before his opponent does the cheap thing of throwing him into the post but yeah he works over Skinner's arm to start the match like this is Brett Hart who has his main submission move works over the legs and back yeah so why are you working the arm yeah, you're not uh, going to put a sharpshooter on his face because that would look terribly unusual. Because like I know he's maybe the only excellence of it because he can do a variety of different moves, but it just it just is what I thought to start with the match. Like, why are you working the arm when your main thing should be the back? And I said one of his main like moves of doom if it has them is the backbreaker, backbreaker elbow off the, the he, apron. He does do a backbreaker very well. Yes, but like, that other does set you up well, and he does do the sharpshooter. I'm just wondering why you would start with the arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he kn- he knows fine well. He can't just go for his five moves of doom right away. So he has to, he has to ham it up a bit, you know. Yeah, I, I get you, but like, and it's just a minor thing on this it's match. Like, it's like the Macho Man when he comes into the ring, he has to spin in a circle and point at the sky before he gets into doing anything. You're like, I remember looking at the match seeing like Skinner. I was confused why the hell Skinner was getting icy too much, but I'm thinking this is Bret Hart. Bret Hart has been has a reputation, basically at his peak. Of getting good matches out of just about anybody. Mm. So I wonder, like, how, how good a match are we going to get out of Skinner with Bret Hart in the ring with him? Skinner did good, I thought. I thought I, I did think he did really good. So, I know it's not just I don't I'm not going to say that Bret carried or anything because I think Skinner did his part well. But it again does show why he has its fate in Bret, particularly as the workhorse champion, as the IC mm. champion at this time. I mean, like like we get we're getting sidetracked here, but Skinner, like you say, he does his shoulder spot and he gets into it and he takes Brett down and he to his credit in my opinion anyway from watching it mm-hmm. he does a good bit of like technical holds and mm-hmm. like hard hits on Brett and then uh, I think he goes for a what is it he goes for a corner spot when Brett manages to reverse mm-hmm. and Brett starts to gain the upper hand again mm-hmm. but oh that's where I'm jumping from because remember Skinner was um, doing his best to get a submission out of Brett and yeah. kept holding the rope. Yeah, he keeps holding the rope. He kept for pulling, he kept pulling, and then there's a few bits. And Monsoon, and Monsoon at this point, sorry, Dave, but Monsoon is is basically just saying he's not got it in properly and criticizing the way he's doing. Like Jesus, Monsoon. I mean, there's one thing about you know, giving the heel stick for like Gene, like because he's trying to grab the ropes, but like you're just basically saying outright saying like that Skinner can't wrestle here. That's basically what he's short of saying on this basically. match. Basically, but no, I liked Skinner because he did the rope thing, mm-hmm. and then a little bit before Brett starts his comeback, yeah. you see him like he's doing the smart heel thing <laughs> where he's leaning on Brett and choking him out, but yeah. leaning in such a way that the referee can't uh-huh. really see him getting up to it. You know, he's got that also that alligator claw that he comes out with him. It's <laughs> maybe like this gear swamp, you know, man of the, the Everglades of yeah, Florida. Yeah, the alligator man. Yeah, and. Uh, Yes, Monsoon asks, what part of an alligator is that? And Bobby, he didn't try to claim his expert. Oh, it's, it's the left marsupial of an of an alligator. Uh, and Monsoon knows he's talking fish. like, will you be serious? Okay, you got me. It's the right marsupial. 
<laughs> it just makes me think of friends when whenever they're on a plane in, in fever, they're like, the left phalange. The left phalange. <laughs> I like friends. <laughs> but the point where he distracts the ref by trying to get some sort of weapon and and the referee goes to take away, it's so a wild ref taking that away. He grabs the alligator claw, takes the cheap shot out of yeah, the Yeah, smacks him good. And then he also does that reverse T, which would be his main finisher. And then he does this kind of lackadaisical cover, which is used to explain why Brett would kick out of his finish, because finishers were still protected in the thick of this era. Yeah. And then, of course, Skinner's downfall would begin when he went for the dreaded flying nothing. Where he just, where <laughs> the he, dreaded flying nothing. Where, where he has Brett lighted and he jumps in a way where you can clearly tell Brett's going to get his foot up. And then he, cause like, he, cause like, if Brett didn't get his foot up, you would have landed on your feet, Skinner. What exactly were you going you for? Know, every time I see that, and you know what? When you see him going up to that second buckle, mm-hmm. and you always think to yourself, right, so are we going to get their legs caught? Or are they going? Is someone going to put a foot up, or is a guy going to jump up and like hook them or some shit? Yeah. You know it's never going to. Yeah, it's like when you see someone set up a chair in the corner, and you go, "Yeah, you're going into that." Who was a bad culprit for the flying nothing? Cody Rhodes. Yeah, because Cody Rhodes. Apparently, we had a few with Orton, where we met Kenny's crossroads like kick spring off the ropes into uh, an RKO. Yeah, and you could tell he was going to kick into an RKO because he would lean into a kick by leaning his head forward, like. Are you going for a flying head, but Cody? What are you going for he, here? He did not sell well. No, he made it far too obvious. But then Brett begins, you know, his his moves of doom as I put here: you know, bulldog, backbreaker, elbow. Yeah, they do go out to the side briefly, where Skinner does get a big bang. But when he tries to go up to the top, ill advised again. Yeah, Brett grabs and throws him off the top, and then manages to lock in the sharpshooter for a very quick tap out after well tap outs to Michigan. This is when you had to nod your head and say, yes, I give up. Yeah, yeah. when Brett hooks in the sharpshooter, turns round and Skinner quits. Mm-hmm. You should have took a little training from Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> if you ask me. But then yeah, Skinner gets up 30 minutes, 46 seconds, this match lasts. As an opener, no, it's a decent opener, I think, for the show. Yeah, it started off so. the show on a good note. If you try to get past the idea of, like, why is Skinner getting the ITJ match, I think Brett, you know, showcased again, like, it doesn't matter who I'm in the ring with, I'll give you a good match. Yeah. So, good start off to the show, the ICTR opening with a babyface win, and then you get a sandwich in between another babyface at the end, so, you know, it doesn't matter who wins in between, because I think one of, there's another heel who should have won his match, that we're about to get to, because we have an interview with Sean Minnie interviewing Jake the Snake Roberts, who talks about, you know, the whole... I, I must say, my favourite heel of this era. He has an amazing heel promo. It really does. He does here, because he, he says, like, as like, sharp like as... Like you say, that's a man that influenced Bray Wyatt. He's like as sharp as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, as cold as the skin on a dead man's body. Like, <laughs> so a bit like, you look into my eye, you see something black, but you look into a snake's eyes, something far more sinister. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about the rush he got when he's seen you know, Elizabeth begging off when he was when the snake bit Bandy Savage. Like, he was flying around a man who could not help himself. And he goes, Tony, you bend... When I was proud of what I could not steal, I could not lie, I could not cheat, but you've taught me very well. <laughs> so whatever happens is your on is on you, Jack Tunney. Trust me. Yeah. Oh and that that I might add was his best entrance music as well. Trust me, shit, that was cool as fuck. I, I love Jake Roberts at this period of time. I'm mm. sad that he left when he did, because if he stuck around a bit longer, he could have been a great addition to the heel side of the Star of the new gen era. 
he could have still at that era been a great, at least a great IC champ. Uh-huh. At least. It sounds to me he never won an actual title in his time in the WWF. But, like you say, he was you'd, that you t- won titles in the territories, but none of Yeah, the, but yeah. like you say, he didn't need the titles to be Jake mm. Roberts, man. He was cool as but I'm sure, But I'm sure he would like to have had a title, and I'm sure he has a lot of fans who would like to, him to have a title. Well, if it wasn't for fucking dickhead Hellwig, he would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what, we had, a, what a dick with dickheads with H at the start of their name, Hellwig, Hogan. It goes around, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we have a Hogan very wig. He goes he goes to a very a varying style of promo of Man to Man where he basically repeats everything that Jake says like mm, yeah, trust you yeah. I, you I think Jake the, could have done it better. You know, you think you <laughs> think you, they like, you told us you can't trust you and he's just like rambling on about how he's gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. And then you hear Jake's music playing because he's about you hear the trust me in the background like Yeah, he's like, Oh, I guess he's going to the ring <laughs> yeah. And then he just leaves and they he cuts to Jake walking to the ring without the snake, obviously, because there's and no Jake. This giant lime green peacock comes running at him and attacks him. Oh wait, no, that was a macho man's hat. And then he takes off his green, like you think, and he's got, he's got mostly patches, like some leftovers of a fucking art and design class put project put together. But it's mostly red and black. It's like mind those old Dennis the Menace comics. That's what it looks like the macho's wearing. The rockers made them it. <laughs> Yeah, some dissensions. So actually, was, they made the Grand Man's gear as a team building exercise. Yeah. Mm. How to trust your partner? Make the Macho Man's ring gear. Because we were talking about like there was no real update in, in the status of the Rockers between now and this two, between strategy and this Tuesday in Texas. But there, there were like it was like twenty seventh the Wednesday. That's Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah. And they think, oh well, Thanksgiving. Give them a rest right before the next pay per view. Like six days later. Nope. Nope. Couple of, couple of live events in between, especially one one on the 30th of November, Madison Square Garden, which was headlined by a, a Ric Flair, Ric Flair Hulk Hogan match as well. Really? Don't know who won that. I imagine there was some sort of creation against so both men could look strong, and which is probably a, probably a big reason to why we never got the match, because one of them wouldn't lose to the other, or both of them wouldn't lose to each other. Yeah, like, probably. I'm not losing to him, and like... And Hogan went to Vince and Vince, he wants me to lose a match. I don't want to lose the match. I hurt my neck having a conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, the macho man, he jumps Jake Roberts to the ring, which, you know, usually if someone like Hogan did that, like, oh, that baby face there. But, it, it, but I, I think given how annoyed, how angry macho man is after everything Jake has done, it's justified. It, it, it emphasises this is a this is a grudge match, a blood feud. Yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't even take his gear off at first. He comes <laughs> running out in his big fluffy jacket and his big peacock hat, <laughs> and battles Jake a bit. And then after like a bit, once Jake manages to go to the ring, <laughs> he takes the coat off and the big stupid hat. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he works the motor a little bit, and then Jake kind of just rams his kind of midsection, rams himself to the midsection. They they they, they hit him maybe way a bit low. Because then Jake starts to take control a wee bit. Yeah. He has to, he's just looking for any opening to try and get Macho just off him because he's like, yeah. surprised him at the but start of the match. Macho like, hits back a bit and then yeah. Jake finally catches him. We get to the outside of the ring and Macho goes to put Jake into the post. Uh-huh. Jake reverses it and then eventually from that gains the upper hand and then he's beating Macho down and holding him. You lots of punches and holds. And then he starts working on Macho, like the... The arm, yeah. The arm that's been bitten. He starts trying to remove the, I the bandage. He's got a big bandage on his arm. Still a bit of blood running about the bandage. Yeah. Where he's been bitten. 
So obviously, like I said, yeah, so made the first face and arm kind of, so it differentiates it, differentiates it from the the post bump that we had the previous match because usually a lot of people, yeah. or you can't have the same spot and matches back to back, you know, because somebody would just say, "Well, I'm doing this spot, so you can't do this spot." Yeah. But they difference because they're on the outside and it's a different style. Of yeah, it's a different style. So like you said, Jake is um, Jake's ripping up the fucking bandage yeah. and he's bending the arm over the uh-huh. rope. He's smacking it off the turn, but he's doing a lot of work on Max's arm. Yeah, he, go, he goes up towards the end. He goes up to like the the corner. He's trying basically rallying the crowd, annoying them. Yeah, he's on yeah. Top of Max, he, so. he jumps up and he's like, "Trust me, <laughs> you know, trust me." And. No, I'm just going to swap those around because every time I reach, yeah. I reach for the empty ones. They so. all look the same. We do, we do, especially in this condition. Uh, see, <laughs> we're, we're being very, we're, we're giving very good praise. However, the ending of the match, I thought, given the story, highly underwhelming. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. No, it's just, no, no, no like, listen, like, <laughs> not, I'm not talking about the action, I'm talking about the match itself because I thought... The way that Macho sets up the elbow, just by ramming Jake in yeah, the corner, I'll, I'll and then, grant just, you and then that. just falls down, and then Macho goes to the elbow, like, that's it. I'll grant you that. that the finish of the actual yeah, finish. official finish of the match sucked dick. Yeah, because right. Jake and Macho aren't done for the night. The, made, the match it made, itself. It made Jake look so fucking weak in that moment. Because mm-hmm. he just, like, Jake's, Jake had most of the fucking upper hand at that point, and then Macho just, like you say, rams him into the corner. He seems to hurt his rib. Yeah. And then Macho, like you say, goes to the elbow, one, two, three wins, right? But then, this is where the match becomes very, very, very good. Yeah, but I think it's not a match by this point, the match is over. No, but Jake gets him some. Yeah, but like, belt to bell, the match actually only lasts six minutes and 25 seconds. That's the shortest match on, on the, the actual, card. On the televised card. Yeah. It's the shortest match, especially including live, including dark matches and the main show. No match on the show goes more than 15 minutes, mm. which is, I find, very bizarre, given that you had a bunch of ma- couple of matches, especially the, the 5 on 5 matches on, on the show. One or two of them went like 20-odd minutes when they really didn't need to, but now you're trying to cut down to... Yeah, but... Like, I think you could... Sorry, before you go into... No, no, like, no, no, Before no, you go no. in, I think you could have easily had a way of Jake cheating to win this match because they're not done the feud because yeah. they have a match... No, they don't have a match, but they have an interaction in the 92 Rumble. They have a match on Saturday night's main event between now and Mania. Yeah. At one point, there was a plan to have Jake versus Macho and a blow-off at Mania and a steel cage match at one point. But that was then scrapped. If we ever talk about Mania 8 one day, I want to talk about some plans that almost happened. Yeah. And I really want to do Mania 8 one day, but, you know, Macho, I think, went up in terms of the car where he got his match and Jake sadly went down. Yeah. But they're not done with the feud so I think you want to put more on Jake, get more heat behind him. And like, yeah, there is argument to say that, yeah, he lost clean, but then he did this dastardly thing, which is, again, great. But then the idea the idea of him cheating to win, I think you can still get the same result. Yeah. I think really think Jake's going, because like, if you're going to you know, bookend the show with a face win and then another face win, it doesn't matter what happens in between. See, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, mm-hmm. as a wrestling fan, I look at that and I, I genuinely think Jake did win. Uh-huh. You know? Because you get Macho, right? And granted, it's a screwy finish, right? Like, into the corner, down, elbow, blah, blah, blah. But then we get Macho, right? Trying to be a little big and giving it the whole, you know, like, pointing to the ground with his wide face and going, uh-huh. ooh. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and running out, <laughs> running out there, trying to grab a chair, and then that little fud in the suit takes it off him. You talking about the rep? Oh yeah, I think it was that may have been Tony Guerrero, one of the agents. Yeah. So he takes the chair off Macho, and then Macho runs out and grabs a ring bell. Uh huh. And he's giving it all like, oh, well, I, well, I crack him with this. And the ref's trying to get it the off ref's him. trying to get it off him. So whilst this is going on, Jake manages to, and he, like, he hits Macho anyway, gets him done. And he hits him with the, like, the DDT at this point. Yeah, he hits him with the DDT. And then gets him the fuck up, hits him with another fucking DDT. And then he goes mm-hmm. outside of the ring. Uh-huh. And he goes... And he starts talking to the camera, and he's like, ah, listen, Tony, I listen, there was no snake in that corner, but... He's under the ring. And he lifts up the ring apron, pulls out this black bag. Of course, we know, probably watching back, there's nothing in that bag. Yeah, but... but the idea, because, like, Jake Yeah, like, see, that's the thing with Jake. Like, Jake would always say, like, it was never about the fact there was a snake in the bag. It's the idea of you, the, referee, the opponents thinking about the snake in the bag. Yeah. But he brings this bag out. And he slides back into the ring again, as Jake did, you know. And he opens a bag. And as he's opening the bag, Squealy Bitch starts running down the fucking aisle. A.K.A. Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, Squealy Bitch. (laughs) And she comes in the ring and does a little, oh, all that shit. And Earl Hebner, or Dave Hebner, whichever one it is. One of the Hebners. Basically being the most inefficient, like, no. Now when Gene Wilder goes, stop, don't, come back. That's that's, that's the, uh, the extent of Dave Hepner. <laughs> Basically. That's like the extent of Dave Hepner's uh, attempt to we get, get We away. get this farcical fucking scene of Elizabeth hanging over Macho Man going, no, leave him alone, no. <laughs> and, and Dave or Earl going, no, leave him alone, no. Stop, don't. Listen to Elizabeth, you are frightening her. No, and then she proceeds to go, Oh, and, 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 like, he does give him like two DTs, which today wouldn't seem much, but the DT was Jake's finisher off like this thing. Yeah, so actually, him mul- and totally gave him three. Well, well at the f- at first he gave him two. <laughs> yeah, he gave him two. Very close together, which annoys people because also he put in the path when he was a faith dude, chat DT, but they're very angry about him saying yeah, the DT because it was wasn't. a big move. But the fans in the attendance are annoyed. But, well, see, so that's two finishers close together, which isn't common at this point. He goes to the lead and next. Nah. nah, goes back. It's a third one. Then gets the the snake. Goes, ah, he wasn't at the ring. He was under the ring. Yeah, and then he pulls the glove on. Ah, yes. Like you it. know, he's like, haha, because that, like you say, it's like the whole <laughs> psychological thing. And then he he, want, he yells at Elizabeth, no, to beg. He tells her, if you don't want me to hurt him, he'll beg for his. Yeah, and he's in Jake's like, voice, like, do you love him? Do you love him? And beg. And then I love her other but Jake. She's begging. You're like, Earl, you are useless. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> But when he fucking, like, I can't remember, like, I only just watched it before he got here, like, does he, does he scale pod and then DDT, or then DDT no, and no, then No, no, by this point he's already done the three DDT, he went ah. back to the DDT, then got the snake, did the thing, then he just grabs her, and it does, like, the most stage of that, like, the whole slap your yeah, but he just, just, but the look on his face, he's yeah. such disdain, and he's like, I, fucking, ugh. Yeah, no. Also... Cruel as he's, he's building up as this most heinous of heinous yeah. act to do. Tears streaming down her face. Like, uh, like, I didn't mean Jean Wade as a point. I like, striking a woman. I, I'd never like. And then, like, at this point. If, if only he'd have seen the Dudleys. <laughs> well, the fucking Dudleys would have got fucking stabbed by the fans, <laughs> by angry fans at this point. 
I mean, they annoy people in the late nineties and fucking ECW. I fucking imagine them here, but and in, in that era, fucking bubble, bubble bomb and fucking Miss Elizabeth through three tables or some shit. Jesus Christ! But like, also, definitely wouldn't even squealing as you passed it. One student should have thought more about what he said here. He, said, he should have. He said because he, he says, and I quote, "He should be suspended for life." Like that's so fired. Being suspended for life, it basically means being fired. Just say he should be fired. Yeah. Like, like yeah. And then Jake does an interview with me and Gene. A fucking fantastic interview, you might ask. Basically, no remorse. Yeah. Which is Which is what you want from your bastard heels. Because he is, as I joked about Moose, I said about Moose before, he says you shoot him because he's a bastard. And, and more importantly, Jake, he knows he's a bastard. And mean Gene or scheme Gene going... <laughs> Striking a woman. How can you? Oh, how can you? And they're like, oh, they gave me a rush. She said, I should have to pay for the feeling that I got. I pay for that. And he's like, Macho, you want to cross my path again? Make sure you bring your woman. He's like, I don't want a woman. He says a creepy thing. He's like, I'd pay to touch her again. He's like, I don't want a woman that will beg and grovel on the ground for her, man. Like, that's no woman to me. Yeah. So he tells her to beg him, and she says, like, ah, oh, you, you're pathetic, you, and basically that's why he slaps her. Uh, so he feels justified, like, oh, how dare she beg if I'm like, she's growing, it's pathetic, and all that. Also, it's the second podcast in a row we've done about this in the series where I comment on Jake's gear, but I'm doing it more positively because I take the piss out of his, his granny sweater that he wore in the last one. But I like his, his tights that he's wearing because he's got, like, the, the flames at the bottom of his tights mm. and then a snake coming out. Because as I mentioned before, a snake is called Lucifer. So like the fires of this Lucifer is raising from hell and everything, snakes coming up. I like that from Jake the Snake in this time. So I'm more positive about his gear this time around. Did you like his gear in 1996? No. <laughs> no. You know, I'll wear this shirt to hide the fact that I'm not in shape anymore. I watched 96 King of the Ring for, for ESSR. I did not like it. Two matches I liked on the show, everything else was shit. What were the two matches? Austin V. Merrill to open the show. And the man can take him out. Everything else, yeah. You didn't like Austin beating the living piss out of Jake. It it was just sad to ask with you. Is that just sad? It was just sad to watch. Yes. It was it was kind of truthful with his with his three sixteen promo. Yeah, yeah. Go back and get yourself a cheap bottle of thunder, but <laughs> burden get back some of that fucking courage courage you had in your prime. But so yeah, we had that promo, and you know Jake being basically as I said before, an utter bastard. But. So much like you just loved him. You wanted to buy him a pint just for scudding that squealy bitch. Well, I was going to say, you want to buy him a pint, that's part of his fucking issue. Everybody buying too many pints. Right, buy, buy him a soda, water and lime. So, but then we have our next match, which is not as good as our maybe our previous day, even though I'm un- I was underwhelmed by the finish of the last match. I still say it was better than this match, even though this match had one or two bright spots, I thought. But, you know, that was mainly because I didn't think much of two basically big... Mm, Steroid like bastards. Basically, back, back, the Bulldog versus the Warlord. And the Warlord's second last WF pay per view, his, his last singles match on pay per view, it will mm. be in the 92 Royal Rumble because obviously, Steroid Trail, he's a bit too suspect, like you get too fucked. Yeah. Maybe not in those words. But also, a weird fact I learned is that the Bulldog and the Warlord faced off against each other in every pay per view in 1991. Really? Because also they were in the Royal Rumble. Otherwise, it's everyone for himself. I don't know if they really interacted, but you know they were in the Rumble together. And they, yeah. they had a singles match at WrestleMania 7. 
They were on opposite end of a six-man tag at SummerSlam where it would be Warlord team of Power and Glory against Bulldog, Tornado and Ricky Steamboat. Mm-hmm. And then as we covered already in the series, they were on opposite end of a tight of a traditional Survivor Series match. And here they are again having another singles match. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Very the, the, the rivalry of 1991 continues. <laughs> Between the two, who's the most muscly looking bastards? Who's had the most juice? <laughs> they do like that typical two big strong guys. They do the big like, test of strength thing, which the Warlord does win. But then, which you wouldn't expect to hear from from Bill Doggy. Bill actually does like a fun uh, drop kick off the top rope. I know, that, I've seen that and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know? Just mention, uh, Warlord has uh, Harvey Wolfman as his manager. He's big fucking cigar and everything. Harvey Whippleman. Well, you know that show they're, they're doing right now, Young Rock? Yeah. You mentioned they've kept, they've, they had like people playing Macho Man and Andre apparently in the first series. I didn't watch it, but apparently they put a thing out they're casting particular people for The Rock's first year in the company, WWF, where they're, they're casting, looking for casting for a Harvey Wolfman, <laughs> Brooklyn Brawler, a Young Undertaker, wow. and a Young Triple H. Jeez. <laughs> Try to, try to say, Paul, Paul, you audition for a young Undertaker. I'm sure you could pull it off. You've got the dark hair. At this point, the Undertaker's dyed his hair pure black. He's not he's got his natural red hair, which he has here. It just looks all poofy. He looks as poofy as a bulldog's hair. <laughs> yeah, by the end of this match, bulldog's hair is very poofy. Okay. Yeah. He, he, is a, he actually looks like a poodle because he's a say, fluffy bit on top and the little bit. I was going to say, the British, the British poodle is what he should be called by the end of this match. <laughs> there was a weird point where they kind of recover from a, a thing that didn't go as blind where Bulldog sends Warlord to the outside and he's meant to like do a dive over the top and Bulldog make it well, make out to him isn't he put the glad down Warlord out to him then lifts him up as if he's caught him yeah but like we know it didn't go really right no and then Warlord kind of drives him out of the ring post he kind of works he very slowly, ploddingly walks over Bulldog while the fans are very quiet, but they only get they get wide when Bulldog does them offense. He, he not they do a couple of roll up attempts, which is nice to see. It kind of breaks up the bloody nature of the match. Mm. Uh, there's a point where I didn't make mention notes, but I remember where the Bulldog knocks uh, Warlord knocks into a classic big man gets caught in the rope spot, and Bulldog yeah. does nothing. But then they do a spot where. Will Dog playing the credit goes to go through it and while he's doing that, Harvey Open gets up and unties the Warlord and so Will dies the ropes, Warlord moves and Will Dog lands in the middle of the I've ropes. I've got to say, that's about the only heel manager moment you get from Harvey Whippleman in this match. He, he, he does not play the role of an active heel manager very well. Not really, no. I mean, he's, he's hardly going to do, you look at the size and he's hardly going to do much against the Bulldog, but... No, he, but he can be a, like he can be like that irritating little prick, you know, like a more competent Jameson. He does like two main things of like heel managers where he does that and he blows a cigar smoke into the camera's face. That's yeah, all he does here. And says that Harvey Whippleman and the Warlord are the WWF. No, for long you're fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> You'll become a shitty referee. <laughs> and the women's champion. Remember he dressed up as Harvina Wuppelman in 2000? I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I selectively forgot about Harvina Wuppelman. But I'm going to make you remember, because if I remember, you have to remember. Oh, Fuck you. No. 
we do not have enough alcohol for Harvina Whippleman. <laughs> no, we do not. But then, Warlord <laughs> walks in his patented Phil Nelson. But before I mention that... His patented Phil Nelson, where he holds on to the side of Bulldog's ears. He, he got his hands in the his hair. I think they're trying to play it, or he can't lock in because Bulldog is massive as well. But looking... He's trying to deny he's grabbing and he's grabbing at war at Bulldog's hair, and he and Monson's insisting that he is. He's not. He's touching the sides of his head. Was Warlord in a tag team before he became a singles guy? Was it Power and Glory? No, that was Hercules, Hercules and Paul Roma. Roma. I'm sure he was in a he tag was, team. He was. Was he? Was was it him and the Barbarian? Was he, is it him? Yes. Was it them? Yes. They were managed by Mister Fuji. Oh, were they the Powers of Pain? Because I could have yes, sworn someone else was teaming the with the Barbarian. Powers of Pain. Because I could have sworn you were a tag team, but I couldn't remember. I'm I'm going to look this up right this second. Just. Uh, because everybody says that by the by the way, demolition were uh LOD knockoff. The powers of blade, the, the powers of pay easy for me to say. The powers of pay were a much more blatant ward warrior ripoff. When you look at their hair and the paint they used to have, yeah. he, he had very hair because I think he had some hair when he was in the in with the powers you of pay. You could see a little teeny bit of hair on the back of his head. Whereas here, he's pretty much pretty much bald. He looks like a very much more broidy Steve Austin. What the hell? Well, that's the Warlord and the Barbarian in 2016. <laughs> the Warlord has definitely come off the steroids by they this point. They look a little different. A little bit, yeah. A little. Yeah. But yeah, he looks in his full Nelson, which he looks in for fucking ages. I know. It's far, far, far too long. And they look like, oh, he's, he's, out, he's out. Oh, no, he's back up again. Yeah. Then, Eventually he fights out of it, he hits a delayed suplex to Warrior, he tries to go for his running power slam, but Warrior keeps grabbing on the ropes. And then Bulldog wins with a crucifix pin in 12 minutes, 45 seconds. There we go. Ah, uh, yes, I remember now. The powers of pain, managed by Mr. F- the devious Mr. Fuji. Oh yeah, 12 minutes, 45, you didn't seem to be happy when we were talking about this beforehand. You didn't like when Bulldog won with a crucifix pin. You- I really didn't like that, because, you know... Bulldog, like, and I'm sorry to anyone who was or is still a big fan of Bulldog or his son, because everybody likes David Hart, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good wrestler and all, but <sighs> Bulldog was just a lot of show. You know, I mean, granted, he did have some athleticism, mm-hmm. and he, he, we know he had power, mm-hmm. but his ability to put whatever limited ability he had together in a match was severely limited. Well, like, you, like you say, that fucking, like, that drop kick thing, for example. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you would see the Bulldog do something in a match and you go, whoa, fuck, big diddly him doing that. Uh-huh. And then sometimes you see him doing power moves in a match and you go, fucking hell, he's strong. But watching a fucking Bulldog match in its entirety, a lot of times was like pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah. like, we've been very vocal about the limitations of Bulldog because we look at the history of when we've talked about him on shows Yeah, you look at SummerSlam 82 great match with Brett in your house 4 with Diesel awful match Yeah, in your house 5 with Brett great match Yeah, but where dog ends Sean dog shit Yeah, fittingly and then I've watched the match from King of the Ring not much better. Yeah. His mat- two matches with Owen for the European title. Great matches. Great matches. He's ma- him and the sixth man at 
in our Swenson, great, because he's doing very little. Him, he does what he does, but he's doing good with the very little he yeah. has. Him, even in that match, uh, I was the one, even him in that match where it, I think it's a Survivor Series match where Goldust is a heel at the time, he's got the FU on his face. Oh, yeah, Team Canada v Team US. Yeah, he's good in that match. I've watched about his worst when he was in 99. I've watched it for the Rogue Bang and Richard You mean the whole, like, Jack Boots and Denim's Bulldog? Him wrestling in the hardcore division, winning the European title briefly with the Mean Street Posse as he's back up. With the fact that The Rock beats him in under five minutes and no mercy. Yeah. I see my it's worst. Well, I, remember, I remember still being so annoyed about the match with Bear Wood. I thought, surely Sean will get a good match out of him. And it was just so boring. Oh, God. Like, like the thing was, like, like most of the time, right? And see, the, the sad thing about it is this is no bearing on Sean. Yeah. Because a lot of people have said if she, if you could get a match out with anybody, Sean could get a match out of most people. Because when I read a book about 96 and they said, like, Sean probably wasn't as much in the mid as usual even because he was annoyed about having a fucking carry this big well, no he was annoyed about the fact that also he's met with that going on but the fact that the whole was the whole electrical issues that neighbor dog yeah. and then but like I'm sure he would have been in the mid by the time King of Ring went around and that match wasn't much better well Sean was great in that match Sean was great but like the match itself was I think I think at that time was Sean I think that was Sean at the height of his complete cuntishness, you know what I mean? He's like, I don't care if you look good. Mm-hmm. As long mm-hmm. as I look good, and Sean looked very good. He did, yeah. I mean, throw, throw in the bulldog's leg, leg brace to his cancer-stricken sister. I mean, that was a bit of sick shit, but, you know. <laughs> I mean... How, how else are you going to get severe heel heat in the UK? I just, like, it just, like, it's just so much about, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm on that, because, like, because when you think about it, bulldog says... He's so confident, he's been reassured, he's going to win. So he mentions Kendrick and says, in an interview with the press and the British media, and then Vince says, oh yeah, you're not winning. Like, but Vince, you made me look like a flood. I promised my cancer-stricken sister. Uh, yeah, because Sean went, you know it would be a good idea? If he did no win. <laughs> what if I had a belt? And then I went to the now I've got two belts. And then I just laid down for my pal Triple H later on for the other belt. To make Bulldog look even more pathetic. We're going to do a European tale history one day, and this is going to be a big talking point, by the way. I will warn you now, when it comes to that match between Triple H and Sean, <laughs> I will laugh and laugh and laugh. But like, we said this like, no disrespect to Bulldog, and yet we've not said anything that favourably about him when we're talking about... He had nice fluffy hair. I preferred him when he wasn't all... We didn't have the braids and all that shit, and, but you Wait, know. see before when he came to the ring, his braids always looked good when he came to the ring. Yeah, but when he left, he was all yeah, he looked like a poodle. Also, I can't listen to his tales protect Britannia's still theme without thinking of the Courtmaster song in Fraser. <laughs> Again, all this due respect, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame now and rightfully so and everything. But he's the bulldog. He won the icy belt. <laughs> And he won a couple of the tag titles and all. <laughs> he is the bulldog, the first. Uh, I'm trying to think of you. I can't fit European into that theme. He's the bulldog. He took too many drugs. <laughs> he hurt his back in dog seat up. That's why he never ever ever won a belt. 
Yeah, I just say it, by the way. He was shit and good the day of match. I was, I was, I was watching the, the OSW review of the uh, Fall we World 98, be. by the way, when he does that spot where he takes the, the slam onto the, the stupid fucking trap door. Trap door thing. But to be honest with you, he, you watch him in that match, he looks very blown up then. So he was on a bad path already. The, the trap door just sped it up, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it sucks that that happened to him. Mm-hmm. And fucking warrior. Your stupid trap. Also, we cannot tell them that it's there. Or at least you that was an award I show where they had a war game, that's where he was going up. You had two rings. Yeah. One of them didn't have a trapdoor in it. Use the other one. Put him in the other ring. For we- fuck's sake. But I feel bad now because it feels like we are ragging on him. Like, we were ragging on for a bit there and now we're ragging on Warrior for fucking being responsible for a minute injured. But like he's in the Hall of Fame now. That's fair. Let's move on before we, we bury the bulldog in the Yeah, move on before we're dickens. <laughs> yeah. Now I put it, just simply in my notes, Macho Man's having a breakdown. Because <laughs> he punched himself in the face. He punched himself in the head and he's all crying. He's like, it was my fault. I, Elizabeth, it was my fault. She got hurt. Like, I'm going to get you. My fault. I had to start dating that squealy bitch. <laughs> Love how we were moving on before we became decades, and then you just go and say that about Miss Elizabeth. Well, she is a squealy she, bitch. She was in the angle, but like she's got her fans who are going to take that the wrong way, Paul. Well, I'm sorry to her fans, but the WWF did not portray her very well. Yeah. Because, from what I hear, she was she was not always so comfortable being in front of the camera anyway. Which again is what I talked about last week, like... Or no, not the last week, but a couple of weeks ago. But. She had a torrid personal life in regards to her relationship with Macho too, because they had a very heated relationship. Unfortunately, she had a relationship with Lexi, which I've also heard was very toxic as well. Very well, yeah. Let's let's not delve too deep into that. Not going to delve too much into that, but like, she had a very unfortunate... Yeah, yeah she look. had a very sad outlook. Very but sad. Like, well, I thought that a couple weeks ago, like, how weird is this very quiet, subdued woman... With this manic, macho man. Yeah. How man that crazy happened? person. I don't know. Well, you know, what What do they say? Opposites attract and all, you know? Fuck it, these, these two are opposite ends of the fucking and spectrum. From what I hear, right, from personal things I've watched on, you know, like wrestling docs and whatnot, when Macho was, you know, sweet, he was incredibly sweet. Yeah. Like, now those photos of Flair, when he did the Elizabeth, she was mine before she was... And those old like romantic yeah, we're supposedly we're doctored pictures. Those are supposedly photos of him, her, Elizabeth, and Macho, but with Flair photoshopped in. Yeah. So it does. So those photos alone show that Macho did have a softer side, but he yeah. could be a bit paranoid. Well, yeah. We only have to think of that Jake the Snake thing. To yeah, we talked about that in the last part. And maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's how, not Nick bites you first. How are you feeling now? Well, I'm pissed off. I'm honest. <laughs> and then. Uh, and a show that has some some matches that were built up and some matches that were a bit random. Yeah. The most random of all of them, <laughs> maybe, is this one. Virgil and El Matador versus the Repo Man and Teddy Biazzi. Poor El Matador. Can I just say, the fact that Repo Man and Teddy Biazzi came in together, so, match, so Teddy has come out with sensational Sherry as his manager, all done up for a fan service. He got Repo Man doing his wee scuddy, wee sneakiness behind, behind them. It looks like a weird flash just to go behind a really fancy couple. She's like, meh. That's how Reaper <laughs> Man walked after them, like he was like fucking flashing with his big coat on. Yeah. I, that, do you know, I think that's the only thing I've seen that coat with the Reaper on the back. Mm-hmm. This, the start of the match, Paul, watch out. 
Tito is about what? Tito is about do do do. What? Tito is about. about oh, you better watch out. He's tagging with him. <laughs> because like, there's a really a really solid sequence I think back and forth between Repo and and uh, El Matador or Tito because. Like, I think it's weird how much smaller Barry Darso looks when he goes from Smash to Repo Man as if he's shrunk, even though he kind of hasn't. But they do have a back and forth. Like, this is more entertaining scene. They do go back and forth than, than Virgil and T.D.B.A.S.E. And D.B.A.S.E. and Virgil are the ones that are fucking feuding. Yeah. yeah. Repo is only here because, you know, he helped represent the Million Dollar Belt back from, for Virgil, from Virgil to T.D.B.A.S.E. And Matador's here because he is another face. Yeah. But, you know, what? Well, I think we should take the same now. Tio Santana, by the way, through these reviews, I really think that man does not get the respect he oh, deserves. Oh, hell no. Tito Santana rules. How many people would know that you're talking about Tito Santana? Oh, I do. Oh, we do. <laughs> but, like, how many other fans do you really Not enough. From? Not enough, no. Not enough. Former Intercontinental Champion. Former Tag Team Champion in uh, Strike Force. Former... ECW champion when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Was he indeed? What year was that? No idea. Early 90s. Early 90s, okay. Also, former King of the Ring at one point as well. Was he indeed? When, was that before it was televised? Before yeah? it was televised, yeah. So, he was King Tito. King Tito. King Matador. <laughs> El Matador. King Tito Santana. King Santana. El King. El King. El King Tito. El Tito. <laughs> I am out of booze. I was out of booze before you. I was officially out of booze. But. I have a bottle of bourbon in the fridge. But I'm not drunk enough to. I'm not going to try your bourbon. But I will say, Chito deserves a lot more respect than he. Yeah, he was even on Spanish commentary for a while as well for the he WWE. He was, yeah. But yeah, respect for Tito. Is Tito in the Hall of Fame? If he isn't, he should be. Had a crack match with Sean at Mania 8. He, he does. I see that. I haven't watched it. I, I imagine it's a solid match. Yeah, it is a solid match. I imagine it's amazing. Well, give us your thoughts on the match while I quickly Google is Tito Santana in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> my <laughs> thoughts on this match. Uh, Tito, yeah, do you Tito does a good good bit between him and uh, Repo, I think. Uh, do you, would you agree with me that the bits, they two are good, but the two guys who have an actual story are... Shit. Yeah, like I would say the bits between Tito and Repo are really good and the bits between Million Dollar Man and Virgil are Million Dollar Man trying to coach this useless dick through a match. You know, mm-hmm. because you, you can't say anything negative about Ted DiBiase. That man knew shit in the ring. Mm-hmm. He was a great wrestler. Virgil was not a great wrestler. Yeah. Santana was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2004. Good, good for him. Good, good man. He, Hall of Famer El Matador Tito Santana. Yes, yes he was. I want to see something here. I'm, I'm on Wikipedia, the most valuable source of information. Is, is, is HBK like a two-timer or a three-timer or some shit? With the IC title? No, I mean I mean like a Hall of Fame. Yeah, two technically two-time because he's in with the with DX. And yeah. I know, he, I, I think Sean was a four-time IC title holder, I think. Three or four, I think. From what I can tell here, he last wrestled in 2014. I think in some places he may occasionally still wrestle. Say he's in his late 60s as Big Tito. Is he? <laughs> Big Tito. Big Tito. <laughs> Big Tito, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up here. Yeah, he was, a, like I said, former 
Eastern Championship Wrestling Champion, former NWE Western States Tag Team Champion with Teddy Biathe of all people. Swish. <laughs> a Northern States Wrestling Alliance Champion, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2013. He was in uh, He was teamed with Ivan Putsky in 1979 as they were deemed in Tag Team of the Year. Mm. In 1995, he was named number 51 of the PWI 500. He was number 93 in 2003. So, it's not too shabby. He was one of the, in 2003. He was ranked as number 70 as one of the and one of the he was number he and Rick Martel were ranked number 70 in the top 100 tie teams of all time back in 2003 by PWI. Nice. There you go. The WWF. Yes, 1989, King of the Ring, and two-time WWF Tag Team Champion with Ivan Putsky and Rick Martel, and a two-time WWF Intercontinental Champion. Two-time? I think he won it, lost it to Greg Valentine, and then won it back. Ah, and then did he lose it to Macho Man? I think he did, yeah. Macho Man had a foreign object. Yeah, Macho Man held it for about a year or so, then lost it to Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Now, Macho Man... Uh, Oh, it was Ricky Steamboat he hit in the throat with a ring bell. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. There you go, big Cheeto. There you go. Or giving him the respect he deserves. Aye, by calling him Big Tito. Big fucking Tito. <laughs> oh. I have some notes for this match. I don't think I've got much, but you know, we'll, we'll try and get something here. Oh, what, you need an oh, iPhone, big Tito, man. He'll, he'll sort you. Oh, you don't have a ring here, cause some trouble. Watch out, because Tito's fucking a bit, man. He'll say a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point where Repo gets on the outside and then TBS is distracted. I think I can't remember if it's T or Virgil, but then Repo sneaks into the on the other side and yeah. attacks them. So Tito, you're a waltz man or a rave man. Many times you to be dealt. So how and Virgil lies down when they've got a word over then Tito tags then he gets word over a bit and then uh Repo tags and TBS. Tio goes to tag in Virgil. So he tries to stop him from tagging in Virgil, but he does he's too late, he tags in Virgil. Yeah. Virgil's all trying to get punches back in on TBS. And then we have a shit ending. Because Sherry well, DBLC's holding Virgil. Mm-hmm. Sherry comes up on the ring to do that thing Sherry did, you know, hit a guy with her high heel. Mm-hmm. She misses Virgil, hits DBLC. But Virg- then Repo Virgil's trying to say something else, but he's not going to go for the pen. I like his wrist is trying to... You poke it. It's a chop to the leg. Yeah, I know. And that's enough to keep Virgil down for three. That just shows you how terrible Virgil is. It's the only match where the recognised heels win. And heels going to win the fucking next match in a second. But, in, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. The, if it's a match I think you're referring to, I agree with you. Well, there's only one left. Oh, that cunt. That cunt. <laughs> so... Yeah. Oh fuck, we drank it too quick. I know, oh, God. No. You sure I shouldn't break it with bourbon? I don't drink bourbon, for God's sake. You drink the bourbon if you want. No, no, I, I am, I have, I have made a pledge not to drink that until tomorrow. Yeah. So, the heels win. It's the only recognised match when the heels win. Out of four matches, this is the only one the heels win. And I put in my notes, what follows next is what I call, where is it, Smug Hogan Promo. Because he's backstage, Mean Gene's introducing him. He's like, oh, alright, backstage here with Hulk Hogan. There, got your mess for the WF Championship. You referenced before we started recording, you referenced the smug 
fucking smirk on his face. He's got a fucking smile on his fucking face. Look at him, he's so fucking smug. You want to chin him, don't you? I fucking want to punch Hulk Hogan in his stupid face. He's fucking Fu Manchu, receding fucking hairline. Hairline receded faster than fucking Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, you leave Kelsey out this, he's not a prick. He's not, but... Like, you talk about receding hairlines. Kelsey Grammer looks more distinguished than fucking Hogan is, you balding bastard. <laughs> but then, like, he's if you, got that, if, you keep, if you people can tell, he really don't like you, like Hogan. He's got that smiley face, I say. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm, sorry, I'm going to win the bell, but I'm going to get another notch in my bell. I'm fucking Hulk Hogan. I'm the fucking man, so um, I get to rate me the rest of me, even though I'm not in the fucking title match. Ah, everything. It's a about him, he's like, smiley. So about all these little fucking Hulksters. How many times have I said fuck in this last few minutes? Since you started talking about Hulk Hogan, it's every second word. Alcohol, <laughs> do you? Is Hulk do Hogan you? a fucker? He's a fucking prick. We talked about it in King of the Ring. It's even more <laughs> evident here. This is a worse than Diamond of Hogan in these couple of shows we've done than fucking King of the Ring. Hmm. <laughs> We're never doing Mess Me and Nine, by the way, because we'll never do another podcast again if we do Mess Me Because the thing we'll have to see about Hulk Hogan. Well, won't you? Oh, well, yes. Hulk Hogan or Sirs. Had to put a fucking explicit tag on the fucking Spotify. Yeah. As, as, as opposed to what we do normally. <laughs> we swear we swear often enough on this show. Fuck yes, we do. Please talk about all these little Hulksters who still believed after he, he lost. And basically, thanks, Jack Tyler, for rebooting the match. Basically, he acts as if SummerSlam didn't really. Look, Survivor Series didn't really matter. He's going to get his rematch here. He's going for the power of all the little hawksters and all that crap. Also, can I just point out? Do you remember what Sean Minnie said at the end of Survivor Series? He said Hogan. He wanted to get a comment from Hogan, but Hogan said, "I prefer to do my talking in the ring." You're backstage. You're not in the ring. Why are you talking? Yeah. I told you. I told you. Hogan will probably have a promo on the studio day before the match. Promo. And promo before the match, and yeah. then by the way, because he got big, and I'll admit, Real American is a fucking banger. Still, it's one of the all time top five greatest theme songs of all time. I'm I just, will admit that. I'm just happy that it was stopped midway by getting the fucker getting stamped. Well, we got to hear a lot of it later on, but it's because of that, and because he's Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, being the WWF champion, we've not heard from him. Other than a replay of what he said in the Survivor Series, no had any interviews with The Undertaker or Paul Bearer. The Undertaker has to enter first. Why is the champion entering first? Yeah. You know why? Because he's going up against Hulk fucking Hogan, that's why. Yeah, that's more bullshit because it's not normal for the champion to enter first. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, there's very few traditions in wrestling that I would hold on to. Sometimes the WWE match isn't the World Tag Match sometimes isn't the right main event depending on the story of what other matches you have on the card. But, and whenever you do have the tail match, the challenger enters first. Yeah. Because if you champion enter first, it shows you don't care about them as much as the person challenging for them. That's what it tells the audience. Yep. The taker comes out, you keep technically dragging the belt kind of along, he's still got his big fluffy fucking ginger hair he's still got the time I liked it it the way he brought out the belt it reminded me of Luke Harper when he had the IC belt oh, totally also do you know by the way when Ron Jager before he probably dyed it black for the dead thing out when he had red hair yeah. the guys used to jokingly call him Wendy because <laughs> of the Wendy's logo yeah, yeah. anywho uh, Hogan does he like, he rips his shirt on the way to the ring he does he runs the ring and then 
take her and Paul Bear start putting the boots to him yeah. as he's coming as he's sliding underneath. And a lot there's a lot of similarities between this match and the Survivor Series match, really, when you think about it. Yeah. But then you got Jack Tunney. You mean week. Undertaker doing most of the fucking work? Pretty much. Undertaker doing most of the offense before Vogan does. He's like shaking Hulk up, flicking his hair, head back and forth, bringing more attention to his receding hairline. Yeah, and his saggy man tits. You got uh, Jack Tunney, WF president, sitting at ringside in his wee metal chair, like somebody who's been double booked for the <laughs> seats. <laughs> watching on to see what's happening. Yeah. And he's watching to see what's going on. And uh, so Hogan tries to do you think, oh, I can't slam him. Like, we saw you slam at Survivor Series. Yeah. Then Hogan rakes the eyes of the Undertaker and then slams him. Taker immediately sits up. So Hogan can't keep him on his back for very long. No. Uh, like I said, Jack Tunney's at ringside. Tigger uh, does work over Hogan a lot. Like he has a choke spot that seems to go on for fucking ever. Mm. Like don't know, don't know it's longer. If someone can get a time, a, like a stopwatch or something, and watch about the show, because like what goes on longer, this choke spot or the fucking Phil Nelson spot from earlier on with with the warlord and the bulldog, it goes on for ages. Uh, Hogan, the point where Tigger punches in the corner, Hogan picks up and drives him into the opposite corner. Uh, like I said, does the joke and everything. Taker goes for old school, but Hogan carries and throws him off the top. And then out comes Ric Flair. Yeah. This is where things go to shit. Yeah. Just Flair is coming out. He wants to bring a weapon into the match. Or in Jack Tony's argument, because he got involved in the last match. And that's the reason Jack Tony's here, because it was a bit of a fair and just decision at the end of this match. And then Hogan goes outside, grabs the chair that Jack Tony was sitting in, folds up. And hits Flair in the back with it. Because it's not a debut because he's hitting somebody who's not in the match. And Flair falls into Jack Tunney. Flair gets back up. Tunney's just lying there like, oh. And we joked that he looks like Biscuity Boyle. From <laughs> oh, I've fallen. Oh, I used to be athletes then. You're the way to do it on my own pay-per-view. You know, it's funny. Because given Tom at Bernstein, Savarisi was basically like those two annoying car salesmen. And uh, <laughs> buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Buy it. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and the last, last was the going buy it eight for last Tuesday in Texas, and people went, all right, buy it, buy, buy it. it, buy it, buy it. <laughs> and then he tried, Flair goes up, tries to get a chair. Flair, Hogan, Seager goes to throw Hogan in a chair. Backfires, bang into Flair, and then Tigger's woozy. Pelbear gets up, tries to hit him with the arm. Tigger gets actually hit with the arm. Mm. And then Hogan knocks uh, Earl Thiebman. And then he does the fuck all about this, doesn't DQ Hogan at all. No. Because he grabs the urn, dumps it out, there's ashes inside, throws it in Nuntaker's eyes, which by the way, gave him, you're throwing ashes, you're throwing a handful of a dead person into Taker's eyes to win the yeah. title. Yeah. You're the good guy, Hogan. No, Hogan, he's not. You're supposed to be. Yeah, but he's not. Throw his ass in Seager's eyes and does one of the worst roll-ups. Like, I think fucking... Oh, Steve Austin did a better roll-up when he was paralysed when he beat o- Owen Hart. Yeah, he did. He couldn't feel his arms. And he still managed it. And then he pins Tiger. Hulk Hogan becomes a... I don't know, one... Four... Five-time champion? Four-time? Yeah. Hogan, hold on. Four, you were for 44 with Andre. 
beat Macho Man, also beat Slaughter. Hogan and four time. No, actually, Hogan in total was a five time champion. No, he was a four time at this point. This point, no, I mean here, in total. Yeah, then he'd beat the WWF title Yoko later on. Then he'd be a WWE champion or no, not WWE. WWE champion again six times maybe. Triple H. Aye, aye. Backlash. Because he Hogan was the very last WWF so fourth, champion. Fourth reign champion. But by the by the this point, Jack Tyne's been lifted up by by Flair, and he can see that Hogan through. So we don't get an official decision here, but Hogan celebrates. He's walking out the ramp, being called the greatest athlete in the in the world by fucking Gorilla Monsoon. Like Monsoon, get your nose out of Hogan's arse for two seconds. Mm. And also, he says that. It doesn't matter what Jack Tunney thought he saw or what he did, so well the referee's decision final, nothing he or anyone else can do about it. Jack Tunney's the president yeah, of the President. But he's the in cave he is the president of the WWF. If anyone can overrule referee's decision, it's him. He booked the rematch in the first place. In the in the in the, in the manner of Doctor Evil, he is the president. Tractor beam. Tractor beam. <laughs> like, we'll call it preparation H. <laughs> Why don't you just call it preparation ass cream, you ass? <laughs> I'd love some chocolate ass, ass cream. cream. Perhaps later. <laughs> so yeah, the show Scotty, goes off air. Scotty Nipah. The show goes <laughs> off air with Hogan walking around celebrating his title. But shortly after, like, a, like the following weekend at the Superstars or whatever show they were taking at the point, Jack Tunney announces the title vacant. Right. Because of the, the shenanigans behind... The win of that match was supposed to be a just decision, but he got knocked down. He saw Hogan cheat, and he was like, if he's. So, if that's the case, he didn't do the thing that he should have done and vacated the match and returned the belt to the actual fucking champion. Nah. He did not. He, but he's also like, there was unjust and shenanigans in the charity and this match, so like, fuck it, the belt is vacant, and it's weird really to do the follow shows because we really like to do that at the end of a, a show see where people go. But mm. as part of this, series, it's very hard to do that. But basically, it's going to lead to part three, where the title is put up as vacant, which is very rare to happen. Like, one of the only things, other things that happen, I think, is WrestleMania, before WrestleMania, before, before the tournament. Mm. But anyway, put up as vacant, and now will be defended in the 1992 Royal Rumble. So the first time that anything was actually at stake in a Royal Rumble match, because really the Rumble was nothing, well, it wasn't really for anything. Yeah, it was just for sort of bragging rights. Because Hogan won it in 1999, and now in 1990, World champion, and then he won it in eighteen ninety one, and like even though officially in eighty three that was the first time it was actually said that the winner fights the champion. Technically, the first person to win a rumble and fight the champion was Hogan in eighty one because he won it in eighty one, and then got named in a more contender for Sergeant Slaughter. Mm. But anyway, first time anything proper on the line nineteen ninety two, and because of the two last champions, Hogan and Flair, when the Hogan and Taker when they're like in the numbers, get issues between twenty and thirty. I think Hogan gets like number twenty. Hogan, Flair. Taker gets like something after that, like late 20s, like 26 mm. or something like that. Because he's not number 30. Number 30 is the warlord for some reason. Mm. I don't know why. So, yeah, that's the fallout here. Now the title is vacant, going up in the Royal Rumble. And I wonder who's going to win that one. We'll have to find out next time on Politics, of Titles, Politics, and Pitch. Yeah. Part 3, the culmination, the revisit of the 1992 Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble? I said Royal. Well, technically Royal Rumble was the last Royal Rumble because a few of these guys would bugger off by... Uh, yeah. Remember you, you showed me that WF Magazine, they undertake them all. And uh, somebody put a picture of that up and said, you think people, they think WF's and the WF's and say they're like, firing people this year. Like, 
and they pointed out the, the, the lineup of people who had action figures in there to take them all photo. Probably mm. like only three or four of them would still stick around by like mid ninety three. Jeez. I had to go back and look at that photo to figure out who's fucking in that, but I'm pretty sure Brighton Sean might have been among them. Well, that's good. I mean, Hogan was long gone by that point. Yeah. But Paul. Yes. This Tuesday in Texas. Overall thoughts, rating compared to summer, summer Survivor Seed. You're giving us a thumbs up, I'm right? I'm giving us a thumbs up. I liked it. Enough to give it a singular thumbs up. I'm just barely giving it a thumbs up. Yeah. Based on something actually like the RC challenge has been, it could have been better than I thought it would be. I mean, the storyline, was just a continuation of the story between Jake and Macho Man. I think it was the match good they to had. see it, though. Good to see it, but... Knowing that their match, their feud's going to continue, I thought you could have done more. Maybe give Jake the win. You're yeah. building it's clearly his first of a series of matches. Warlord and Bulldog, that was kind of funny and good time to go make the tea. Tag match was shit. Uh-huh. And then Hogan, you're annoyed at him winning, but you know, looking back to the significance of it, given that it's leading to the Nature Rumble, one of the all time most favourite rumbles by many fans of all time. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what else to say about this show, but. Personally, personally, two of my favourite rumbles are 95 and 96, but there you go. Okay. But you, mostly, compared to the last one, you had a lot more fun. Uh, did you have high expectations really going into this? I, do you know what I did? Because I knew it couldn't get any worse. I didn't have the highest of expectations, I'll be quite honest with you. And I, I have some vague memories of what happened in the 92 rumble. But it'll be fun to go back and then we'll come back to that in January at some point. Yeah. Talk about uh, the nature of Well, does it still hold up? Do you have our opinion changed? I can't even remember my own opinion. <laughs> what do you remember of this Tuesday day? Which I should mention did not get a VHS release. Did it not? No, it, oh. it, most of the matches and segments in this were released in the WWF Super Tape 1992. I need to get that tape. I don't know how widely available that tape is, but I'll find it. But it, but somehow it's still available in its entirety on the WWE network. I mean, it's the ones that were broadcast, <coughs> the matches that were broadcast. So I don't mean that. Uh, so it was so much of a failure, 140,000 buys, that it was deemed a failure. But really, when you get to the mix of the new genuine, when I'm still struggling, they haven't found the attitude yet. They'd be, they'd be fucking praised at 140,000 buys, if honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've looked at looking some in your houses that had less than that. <laughs> anyway, that has been this Tuesday in Texas. That's been part two of politics, the titles, politics, and fish. I can never remember the order there. Titles, two politics, tri- fish. But, you know, we're going to get part three in January. We've got some impacts of the change over before then. Look forward to progressing this in the new year. Paul, anything to close out before we go on the show or otherwise? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry New Year. Merry New Year. Whenever you're listening to this, I always remember Hulk Hogan is a, a fud. Goodbye, everybody. Trust me. 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 Trust me.